Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution in Major League Soccer on AM 1320 as well as over the internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Patty Vine of Providence Sports, a Latin sports magazine. And last night, the Revs came off a 1-0 win over the second-place Chicago Fire, and they're now nine points up over the Chicago Fire for the Eastern Conference lead after just seven games. And the Revs have played Chicago twice now, beating them by a combined score of 5 to nothing, really showing that even against the second-place team, they're, they can show their dominance. And, and it's, it's really been a great... Actually, against D.C. United, I mean, but I was saying against Chicago, they, they had won 5 nothing, and that's a second-place team, and now Chicago lost. So the Revs are nine points up, and basically all of the the better teams have lost last night, which really puts the Revs in a good position after just seven games. They already have 19 points, which is as many points as they had at, at August 7th of last year, which is really showing how good the Revs have gotten off to a start this year. Sean, it's basically stunning, something so surprising if you followed the Revs during this uh, nine prior seasons to see the kind of start they've had, the best ever, and to look at a team like Columbus with five losses this far in this uh, season, uh, losing yesterday to the Wizards four to uh, nothing. It's and the Columbus ended the season last year with the best overall points. So uh, it's it's amazing. And if you look at the Western Conference, there's a seven point difference because the top team being Dallas with only 12 points and three wins. So the Revolution, with a total of six wins thus far, uh, I think has to be the surprise of MLS. Uh, certainly the surprise, a surprise and a pleasant one for the fans of New England Revolution who have followed the team through some really poor starts to MLS seasons. And the team's expected to rival the Revs for the, the championship at, at this point where Dallas and Los Angeles, and Los Angeles lost to Real Salt Lake, who's been having a pretty bad season, and Los Angeles was off to a good start up until then. And Dallas has gotten into a pretty bad stretch right now where they're not doing, playing their best soccer. So really, the Revs are the only undefeated team right now, and it really, it really is a credit to them. The only undefeated team, I think, the first time in, in its history. And uh, going back to the loss yesterday at Columbus, uh, who was one of our rivals last year um, in terms of points, that was the worst uh, defeat for them since the year 1996. Four nothing defeat. And that was against Kansas City, who made it to the final last year and were moved to the Eastern Conference this year because of expansion. But but really this year they haven't gotten off to that great of a start. Even Kansas City. So that result against Columbus was was kind of came as a surprise. Exactly. And looking now, we have New England obviously in the lead with 19 points. Chicago being. Uh, the next team with 10 points, Kansas City with 9 points, the Metro Stars with 8 points, although yesterday we saw them defeat Chicago 3 to nothing. And I think we've got to look ahead next week when we'll be playing in New York, another game televised live at 4 o'clock on ESPN2. Uh, but playing in New York with New York coming off this kind of a victory 
and it seems like Eddie Gavin and Amado Guevara are really, uh, really on form at this point. And I think the Metro Stars will really be looking for a home victory. And after all, they are the arch rivals of New England Revolution. So it's going to be something somewhat of, I believe, the most difficult game that they will have played thus far in New York. Well, well the Revs have had, the Metro Stars have gotten better as the season has progressed. But the Revs in recent history have gotten have been pretty dominant against the Metro Stars. I believe they've only lost one game in about their past 13 matches against them. So they, they look to continue a streak like that and and get another win against them, even with the Metro Stars starting to play better. Right, and obviously we've had Clint Dempsey become Player of the Week uh, in the fourth week, and then following that, Amado Guevara, who had a hat trick and became Player of the Week for the Metro Stars in the fifth week. Last week it was Freddie Adu um, for D.C. United. And Dempsey, you earned Player of the Month. Player of the Month, Honda Player of the Month for the first month of the season. So um, it really sets itself up to be of an interesting game, and let's hope it wins, uh, comes up to the expectations. What did you think about, obviously, Coach Steve Nickel? Both you and I were in the press conference after the game. Coach Steve Nickel seems to be really flying high with, the, with all these victories. I've never seen him quite this elated, and he should be. And we actually have the press conference recorded, and we can play that now. We thought it'd been an open game. You know, the field's very dry. You know, it makes it hard to to, to pass the ball well. And they, you know, first half, you know, we were second best to be honest. Second half was a bit scrappy on on both sides. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes you need to win with uh, working hard uh, and gutting things out, and we did that. Halftime, Steve. Uh, anything you were looking for as far as direction for the second half? Having more. <laughs> Everything we were second best. Was Everything we were second best. And I think you were lucky in that first 15 minutes. <coughs> they had a couple of chances where they could have pulled one. Yep. No, half time we said they were second best at Everton. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything that we were better at than them. First half, second half we just tugged it out. You know, we made a we had a couple of opportunities for ourselves. Um, but as I said, you know, it's, we'd all love to win playing silky soccer, but. You know, sometimes you need to tough it out and fight it out, and uh, you know it's good to know that we can do both. Surprised that DC didn't get something based on the chances they did have. Well, I don't think that. I don't think I can't remember. The, I mean, I may be wrong, but I can't remember them having a chance where you're saying they should have scored. Um, they certainly had a, a couple of half chances, uh, but we had a couple of half chances as well. You know, the, with the possession they had the first half, uh, I thought we defended well. We kept them. We kept them out. And as, as Steve Nichol was saying about the game last night, the DC kind of came out and charged in the first half, and and really, but but the Revs defense, a credit to them, they held strong even with DC pressuring them. And I don't think, like, as he was saying, DC had a couple of half chances, but they didn't really have anything that overly bothered Matt Reese. And and that was a credit to the Revs defense with Michael Parker starting all alone in center back. He's done a really great job Excellent. as a rookie. It's so great to see a Cranston native. Uh, finally, uh, a really local player doing so well, Michael Parkhurst from Cranston. And uh, hopefully we'll have more local players on the refs. It's always good to see local players. And Jay Heaps has been having a great year as well, one of his best years. One of his best years as well. 
Uh, I do have some comments from uh, that appeared in the Washington Post from Peter Novak uh, regarding D.C. United. He stated, we're supposed to be better in the final third. There were moments when we ran into each other's way. We're supposed to keep the ball moving, and it wasn't there. The chances will come when you really want to make and create the chances. It wasn't our best day offensively. To play, Ben Olsen commented, to play defensively as well as we did, it's disappointing not to get some kind of reward. Sometimes the offense just doesn't click. They did have opportunities. Yeah, they did have opportunities, but one player has been underperforming this season is Aleko Exfudarian, who had 10 goals last season. And I think they said he only had about six shots coming into that match. And he, he didn't look too dangerous last night, No, to be he honest. didn't. No. And, and with, they expect their, their offensive production to come out of Hamian Moreno and him. And, and if uh, he's not performing, it doesn't it, it leaves Hamian in a bad position as well. To, to get that, and Freddie Adu, the rookie, was expect, had a great game the week before, but he didn't really—he was really a non-factor in this game. Exactly, and you have to think about Jaime Moreno. I I so admire him as a player, having followed him uh, from uh, day one. He's been with the team. This this is not his tenth year with DC. Obviously, he played for the Metro Stars as well. But ten years, he is getting up there. That that's. Somewhat, he wasn't a factor, not what I expected to see yesterday. And I kept thinking, this is his 10th season. Uh, I don't know if he's planning to retire, but that hasn't been mentioned. But um, well, well, it was with the Metro Stars, people were saying he had lost it. And then he came back and against D.C. And then when he went to D.C., he started playing back again like he had been playing before, almost better than he had been playing before. Exactly. He had one of his best seasons last year. So you, never, you can't really tell with him after, after that experience. Right, and playing for D.C., there is a huge Bolivian community, a huge Bolivian fan club that supports him. That's a huge motivation, I would think, for him. And uh, maybe having won the fourth MLS Cup, he's not quite, not only his age, possibly, I don't know, catching up with him, but maybe the motivation isn't quite as great this year. It remains to be seen, however, with him. He is full of surprise. We are only seven games into the season. Only seven and games. You'd ex- and a guy like Aleko Estadarian as well, you'd expect to pick it up because he's, he's a lot younger than Jaime Moreno, and uh, you'd expect a lot of good years out of him after what we saw last year, and I, I can't imagine him staying on his bad streak that he's on right now. No, I, I fully expect D.C. To, to come up the ranks. They only have eight points right now. They only have two wins, as do five teams. Kansas City, Metro Stars, D.C., Columbus, uh, rather seven teams, San Jose, Real Salt Lake, and Colorado Rapids only have two wins each thus far in the season, um, With re- comparing it with Revolution with our six wins, which... Also on other things, you have a lot of, on the other hand, you have a lot of hot Revs players like Dempsey, who's leading the league in scoring, and Noonan and Twelman are pretty close behind him right there in the and the scoring charts, and if it wasn't for Donovan getting those ridiculous PK calls last last week, then you'd, you'd, they'd even be up right right next to him. Exactly, and it's so great to see Taylor Twelman back to his goal-scoring form because last year he really lost it. I think he had a total of goals, nine goals in all of last season. He already has four goals and three assists. He is among the top uh, scoring uh, champions of the MLS, and he's scoring goals again which so many games were frustrating last year. 
um, because he didn't score. He had a lot of opportunities that he missed. And, and the partnership with him and Pat Noonan has really, really gotten a lot better over years past. They're, they're playing extremely well together, and they seem to know where each other is going to be. And it, it's, it's really been a different story this year on the partnership between them two than in years past. It's, it's, it makes it beautiful, the beautiful game to watch, seeing them, the way they paired up yesterday, for example, um, and how Pat Noonan as a player just keeps getting better and better and better. So between Dempsey, Noonan, Twelman, uh, Steve Ralston, who will be a guest in a couple of minutes, it's, it's only looking up. As I say, I foresee a big test next week with the way the Metro Stars are coming forward, with them playing at home, with the rivalry that's always existed. You mentioned that we have the advantage on wins. I hope we can keep this winning streak going. I think we're facing a very difficult team um, next week. Well, the, the Metro Stars midfield is certainly one of their strong points, but I see their defense is not as strong as the defense is even D.C.'s defense, and I, I think I could see the Revs exploring that with a guy like Twelman and Noonan and Ralston and Dempsey all coming out their defense. I think they'd have struggled to, to, to play against guys like that. It's going to be an exciting game. It's, I'm looking very forward to it. It's, it will be interesting to see if, uh, if uh, Twelman and Noonan and Ralston and... Clint Dempsey, I'm, if we can keep this, keep this going. You're right. The defense is where they might, may fall down. And, and their goalie, Zach Wells, is their backup goalie, has been playing because of Johnny Walker's injury. He hasn't done spectacular. He, his stats are pretty good, but I, I've seen him letting a few weak goals, and he'll be looking to improve upon that against a, a high-scoring team like the Revs. And uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with Steve Ralston and some more Revolution Recap. Hi, this is Scott McPherson from the Sports Journal Live to tell you about my friends at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic. Whether you're involved in a sports injury like I was or involved in a motor vehicle accident, Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic will get you back on the road to recovery. The specialists at Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic in Somerset are the area's leaders in physical, occupational, and speech therapy and can help you get through the recovery process with first-rate attention and care. Clifton specializes in sprains and strains, hand and wrist splinting, stroke and neurological rehab, as well as post-surgical rehabilitation. For more information on Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, call 508-675-7589 or visit them on the web at cliftonhealthcare.com. That's Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic, your first stop on the road to recovery. At some point in your life, you'll need to see an orthopedist for some type of joint, hand, shoulder, back, or any type of sports-related injury. When that day comes, you want to put your trust in a specialist you know has been building relationships and helping the community for over a decade. That place is West Bay Orthopedics. Located just minutes outside of Providence on Centerville Road in Warwick, Rhode Island, West Bay Orthopedics has been helping New Englanders get back into their lifestyle pain-free. From the football field to Foxborough to the tennis courts of Newport, West Bay Orthopedics has been an integral part of the recovery process. West Bay has been treating athletes in southern New England and will treat your family with the same professional and courteous manner that has made them the leaders in orthopedics in this region. The physicians at West Bay Orthopedics are the team doctors of Providence College Athletics. West Bay Orthopedics. 
there for you every step of the way. In the market for a late model, one owner automobile? Then why not stop by Matthew Auto Sales? On Route 6 in Somerset, they're the area's first choice in late model one owner automobiles. Family owned business for over 40 years? Matthew Auto Sales also has auto glass repair, auto body, and towing services. Come by and see Richie about the good buy of the week. That's Matthew Auto Sales on Route 6 in Somerset, or check them out at www.matthewauto.com, or give them a call at 508 678 9033. That's 508-678-9033. And make sure to bring Oscar a doggy bone. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Joining us now over the phone is Revolution midfielder Steve Rothman. Steve, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. How does it feel to be part of such a great Revs team that's been so successful earlier this year. Oh, it's been great. Obviously, the last few years we haven't had uh, this good of a start, and it feels nice to get uh, get off on the right foot. You know, the last couple of years we were we were fortunate enough to dig ourselves out of the, out of the hole that we got ourselves into, but uh, hopefully we can continue this run. And, and the roster has stayed pretty much the same over the past few years, uh, with uh, the obvious addition of rookie Michael Parker in the back line. But what's what's really been the difference between this year and years past, where the Revs have started slowly and and finished strong, and this year they started off to such a great start? Um, well, like you said, I think the fact that we've been together for a few years now, everybody feels confident and comfortable with each other. And, uh, you know, I don't know, I think it's everybody here is, uh, everybody wants to win. I think it starts at the top with Steve Nichol, and everybody's motivated, and everybody knows their job, and nobody's trying to do too much. We have a great group of guys, no, no big egos, things like that. And everybody just wants to go out there and do their job, and I think we've done a great job of doing that so far. And were you excited about last year winning the team MVP? Yeah, it was a great honor. I mean, obviously, I, a lot of guys could have won it last year. We had a, a few guys who could have who could have easily gotten the award. But it feels nice to be recognized by, you know, by you guys and by by your teammates and things like that. So, um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of a team award, really. I mean, one guy gets it, but you know, you can't do it by yourself. And, and is it a good thing against a team like DC, who was the defending champs last year, and? Uh, who knocked you out of the playoffs? Is it good thing to get up, come out early, and get the two victories against them—the four-three victory away at RFK and the one-zero victory last night? Yeah, it feels good. And obviously, uh, you know, it doesn't make up for what happened last year in the in the, in the semifinals. But it, it's nice to get off to a good start to the season. And uh, anytime you can beat uh, a conference foe, you beat them twice uh, at their place and at home. It's a great start. Um, we we know as well as anybody that it's a long season. I mean, we're. Last year, when we were when we were down, we never got too low, and now that we're doing pretty well, we're not going to get too high on ourselves. We know it's a long season; anything can happen, and uh, we've got to go at it one one game at a time and, and keep doing the same things we've been doing that uh, we've been successful at. Do you think it's really important for the team to get off, keep getting out these three points uh, with with national team call-ups and pending, like for, for example, in uh, May twenty eighth, the game versus England? Um, yeah, you, of course you want to get three points every time you play, but. Um, we might be missing a few guys, but we feel confident that we have we have a good bench. Um, I was with the reserve team now, and those guys are getting games, and they're gonna they're gonna be fitter and, and ready to play. So, um, you know, I think other teams will have the same same situation. They might be missing some players as well. So, uh, it'll all even out. And has Bruce Arena given you any indication about the upcoming game versus England uh, about who he's calling up? Uh, we're not real sure yet. I'm sure it'll be announced uh, real soon. 
Um, just kind of waiting here. So, um, you know, that's it, really. I mean, hopefully I, I want to get another chance to get in there and try and prove myself and, and be a part of the, the rest of the qualifying and things like that. Would you be really excited to play against the national team like England? Oh, of course. I mean, England's a team that I, I, I love to watch You know, when I was growing up. A lot of guys on our team that, that I have a lot of respect for, I think, are great players. Um, it would be a great test to see where, where we're at um, as a national team. And, I mean, every time you go, go against a team like that, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult. But uh, like I said, we'll see where we're at. And how, how's your experience been recently with the national team? Uh, it was great. I mean, obviously, you know, I got to play in a couple qualifiers and uh, score a goal. So it, it, was, it was a good experience. I think, you know, I feel more confident and comfortable every time I go into camps. And uh, I just hope that, like I said, I get another chance to go in there and, and do the same things that I did in the last camp. And would it be your dream to make the World Cup team in 2006? Of course. I mean, that's, that's every soccer's every soccer player's dream. And, I mean, I know as well as anybody that this is my this is my last opportunity. I'm 30 years old. Like Patty was saying earlier, you know, talking about Jaime, um, I'm not ready to go out to pasture yet, Patty. So, um, <laughs> was, Good to hear. No, I was listening. I heard you talking about Jaime in 10 years in the league, and I've been in the, in the league 10 years as well. Um, but i got a few more years left in me, I hope. So, But this is my last chance at the World Cup, so um, hopefully I'll, I'll, I can make it. Uh, speaking of, uh, I read the article by Frank DeLapa in the uh, Boston Globe, and you mentioned that your bronchial infection really knocked you back, and you weren't sure if you were as fit as you had been prior mm-hmm. to to uh, getting a bron- the bronchial infection. What are your thoughts after yesterday's game? How do you feel? Um, I feel better. I, I don't think I'm quite where I was before before I got sick. I mean, I had a, I ended up having a fever for about six days and had this horrible cough, and I ended up losing six or seven pounds, and I really don't have that kind of weight to lose. So um, it was tough. I mean, that's the first time in my career I really, I've ever had to deal with something like that. And uh, I'm just trying to get back all my strength and things like that and, and get game fit. Um, I feel like I'm getting there. Um, I think yesterday we all we all started off a little slow, the entire team did, and didn't have our best game, but we found a way to win. And, uh, you know, in the second half I felt a little bit better, and I feel like I'm, I'm getting back, back to where I need to be. Steve, what did Coach Nichols say at halftime? Because there was an obvious change after the half from the first half um, to – to inspire the team uh-huh. to the victory. Yeah, I mean, just said that. Listen, guys, right now we're number two. We're you know they're, they're beating us out there right now. They're beating us to the to the, to the to the ball. They're winning tackles. They're getting the second balls, and uh, we got to do a better job. I mean, I think that you know they did a good job of, of you know making good runs and opening up holes and um, keeping possession of the ball. But in reality, I don't think they created too many scoring opportunities. I mean, they had obviously uh, the majority of, the, of possession, but they never really had too many. Um, quality chances. I thought we did a good job in the final third defensively. Um, but then we knew that, you know, with the firepower that we have, we were going to create chances. And if we can do a little better job of, of keeping possession of the ball and, and, and trying to close them down a little bit quicker, that we're, we were going to get, get a few opportunities. And obviously it would be nice to win every game in a dominating performance, but is, is it good for the team to show that they can win in other ways, even when they're uh, in the first half when DC was pressuring them? And then they, is it good to see that? That the team can still win games, not just the games they're dominating, but the other games as well. Definitely, yeah. We, I mean, if you got to find a way to win, and we knew that wasn't our best performance, but like I said, we got three points out of it. Um, I mean, that's the most important thing. We know we can play much better, and we got to do a better job next week. Um, we, I think, 
we came out a little slow, and you know they put us in our heels a little bit, but we kind of weathered the, the storm a little bit, and uh, you know we kind of found a little bit of rhythm in the second half and, and started passing the ball a little better. So we got to be on our toes and be ready to go from the. Steve, can you hear us? Yes. All right, and um, is, is it good to to is it, is it good is it great to be playing with guys like Taylor Twelman and Pat Noonan and Clint Dempsey who are on such a scoring tear at this early point in the season and have three really dangerous scoring threats on the team? Yes, it's, those guys have been been on fire. Um, right now they're carrying the load, but I'm sure the goals are coming from other places as well. I hope that they can keep up the pace that they're at. Um, I'm sure they're marked men right now, um, but but they're great players, and they're going to create chances, um, and they're going to finish them. I mean, those guys in the box are, are looking to get on the, on the end of everything, and uh, you know I think they kind of want to outdo each other every time one guy scores. The other one wants you know get back up there with them, so it, it's a good thing to have. And was it exciting for you to tie the Revs' all-time assist mark a couple weeks ago? Uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of that until after the game. Um, of, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of things you look you look at when you're done playing. Like I said, I really don't pay attention to a whole lot of that, that stuff. Um, when you're playing, I'm just kind of worried about the game and the results that, you know, the most important stats are the wins and losses. And uh, right now, I'm pretty happy where we're at. And do do you feel lucky to have been one of the players? Even um, last year, the Revs have had a lot of injuries and sickness. Do you feel lucky to be one of the players that ha- has been relatively relatively injury free most for most of your time playing? Yeah, knock on wood. I've been. I mean, I've had a few injuries here and there. It's my tenth year in the league, so I mean, I've had a broken wrist and a broken ankle, but I've been fortunate enough to, you know, a lot of it I could I could play through. You know, I, you always have your bumps and bruises, things like that. But I take care of my body. I've I've never had a pulled muscle or anything like that. So. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate, um, but we, we, yeah, we had a we had a bad spell the last couple of years of of getting some injuries, and just the other day, you know, Shawry and Marshall both had to come out of the game. So hopefully they can recover and be be available for the weekend. Can you give us a preview of next week's game against the Metro Stars? Um, you know what? I really haven't seen a whole lot of, of the Metro Stars this season yet. I, I saw the the MLS wrap yesterday and saw the goals they scored, and there were some good goals. Uh, Amado Guevara, who's the reigning league MVP, obviously he's, he's always dangerous, always does very well against us. Um, and it's a, it's a tough place to play. The surface, obviously, it's, it's the artificial turf. Um, playing in the Meadowlands, it's, it's, it's a hard place to play. So we got to go down there and, and try to do a, a better job than what we did this last week and um, keep in possession of the ball and passing the ball. I think that was our biggest problem is that um, guys aren't really making themselves available uh, early enough to give each other options. And even when we did, the passing just wasn't as sharp as what it had been in the previous few weeks. And, and did you get to catch the reserves game last night? I did. I stayed after and watched the entire game. Um, it's a great result. Obviously, the guys, you know, showed a lot of heart, a lot of character. That were, they were down three to one and came back and won the game four three. So you know, we're very proud of those guys. And uh, Cancel, I believe, scored the winning goal last night. Is it tough for a guy like him who's used to the starting spot and recently has lost to Andy Dorman to be in and playing for the reserves? I'm sure it is. I'm, everybody wants to be on, on the first team and be starting. Um, but Pepe is a class act. He's, he's a great professional. Um, he's never complained once. And he's going to go out there and, and try and work and try and earn his spot back. And that's, that's all you can ask from him. And, and you've been in the league for, uh, as you said, 10 years now. What, what, were you upset when you saw Tampa Bay had folded a team that you'd done so well with and played with a great guy like Carlos Valderrama there? Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, I, I, my wife is from the area, and her family was there. Uh, I just had a newborn baby, maybe two weeks old, when we found out the team was folding. So that was hard. Um, then kind of 
just the way that it happened, I mean, kind of find out, overheard it through the radio, and people were calling me. Nobody had called beforehand. It was kind of like it all came out and everybody knew. Um, it, it, it was hard. We were all sitting in front of the computer watching to see where we were going to go if we ended up somewhere. So um, it was hard, but, but it, it turned out, I think, for me to be uh, uh, a great move. I mean, for me to, to get out of there and, and come here and come to a, a town like Boston where the fans are so passionate and, and um, knowledgeable about the game. And uh, I've had a tremendous time since I've been here. Obviously, the teams that we've had, we've, we've, we've done pretty well. We've been to the finals once and semifinals the last couple of years. So I feel like this, this year we have a team that can actually win the whole championship. Can you talk about the coaching style of Steve Nichol as opposed to some of the prior coaches you've worked under? Um, I've actually had quite a few coaches. Um, Stevie's, been, Stevie's been great. This is probably the longest I've been with one coach, I would say. And uh, I think with Stevie, he's a straight shooter. I mean, you kind of you know where you are with him, and uh, he, he's pretty laid back actually. In, until you know, he gets intense during the games, but um, I think that he's always he stays on an even keel. You know, he, like even the last couple of years when we've been losing, he always stayed positive and said, "Come on, guys, we just got to work. We're gonna, it's going to get going." And now that we're winning, you know, same thing. Things never change. When we're losing, we're winning. Things are pretty much always the same, and uh, guys all respect him and want to play for him, so he's been great. And last year you uh, were forced, because of all the injuries, to play right back a few games. Was Did he, did he as a defender in, in the English Premier League and a, one of the players of the year over there at one point, did he really give you a lot of advice about playing in defense? Um, yeah, pretty much trying to talk me into to playing back there. I really, I, I, honestly, I didn't want to play right back, but, uh, you know, the team needed me to play there, so... You know, I was willing to do it. I didn't feel like it was my best position because I don't, I don't feel like I'm a great defender, and uh, it was just a new position for me. I, I, I was at times a little confused on, on certain things, but as far like defensively, but as far as you know, when I had the ball, I felt comfortable back there. I felt like you know, could see the field and, and make the right pass. But just defensively, it was it was a, it was it was tough. It was you know, trying to learn as, as I went along. But having him there, that he's played, he he went through the same thing when he played. He started off, I think, as a midfielder and kind of moved to, to a right-back position and said, you know, uh, this might not be permanent. It might be. And I think, you know, possibly in the future this could be a position for you. I think this is a good spot. I think you play the position well, and it could extend your career. So, And, and, at, that, and uh, at that point, people were even saying that you were the best right-back in the league. And but was it hard to, dis- to make the decisions going from a midfielder to a defender about when to go forward and when not to uh, as opposed to playing defense and midfield? Um, yeah, well, I, mean, I wanted to go forward a lot. But, you know, I kind of I knew that, well, I think I had a little bit more permission to go forward than the rest of the guys because I was, I'm more of an attacking player. So we were also playing, playing with the four backs last year compared to this year with three backs, so it's a lot harder for the guys to get forward now in the three-back uh, system. But for me, it was, it was good. I liked making them late runs and trying to find the space and get some early crosses from back there. And, and are you glad to be working in a midfield that includes uh, players like Andy Dorman and Clint Dempsey and Shari Joseph that's pro- possibly the best Central midfield in the the whole league does it make your job easier? Makes it a lot easier. Those guys have been tremendous. I, th- I mean, everybody's talking about the defense. We haven't given up, given up any goals, and you got to give a lot of credit um, to the defenders and to Matt Reese. But I think as a team, we've all defended well. Those those guys in the middle of the field do so much work, um, force turnovers, and get pressure pressure on the ball, and, and make make our jobs a lot easier. Um, even the forwards. I mean, those those time last night where Taylor tracked back into our own box and made a, exactly. made a sliding tackle knock a ball out. So I, I think, you know, all 11 guys who are on the field are, are working as a, as a unit playing playing great defense. And how did you get started in soccer? 
Um, I think I was probably, you know, my first team was when I was like six years old. I, I actually had an older brother who played soccer, and I was always k- kicking the ball with him. And uh, just from then on, you know, I was just always playing on local little teams and just kind of moved on from there to a select team and played in high school and college and all that stuff. So uh, I started probably when I was six. And what do you like to do in your spare time? Um, when I'm not spending time with my family, I, I mean, I have, I have a wife and a three-year-old daughter and another one on the way, so... Um, spend a lot of time with them, obviously, but when I when I have a chance to go out and do something on my own, you can find me on my boat either bass fishing or out in the woods doing some hunting. So those are my two things that, that, I, that I always do when I get a chance. Do you spend a lot of time on Cape Cod at all? Um, no, I'm more of a freshwater fisherman. I, I haven't been out. I would love to go out. And if any listeners are out there and want to take me out and striper fishing, I'm more than, well, more than willing to go. Um, it's one thing I really want to do. I've, I've I grew up in the, in the Midwest, so I always did a lot of you know bass fishing and things like that. Um, but I haven't been out striper or blue fishing nothing like that. So I'd like to. And I heard you go fishing with Clint Dempsey. Who's the better fisherman? Oh, it's, that's an easy one. It's me. I, I fish him all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, he and I get out there. We go. I mean, it's not a competition. We go out there and have fun. And uh, I, I think I have an advantage because I'm always in the front of the boat and I get the better spots. I'm working the trolling motor up there. I think I think that's his excuse, but. Um, we have a good time. We go out there and just go out there and relax and kind of get away from from everything else, all the stress and things like that, and the soccer and all that. So it's nice to get out there and and be out in the water. And did any of your other teammates ever come with you? Uh, last year we got Richie Baker out there a couple times. He really got into it. You know, he grew up in Ireland and did, did a little bit of fishing, but nothing like what we were doing here. So he he liked it. He enjoyed it. He came out there and uh, until Clint hooked him. Clint tried to make a long cast and hooked Richie in the ear, and then uh, so Richie, I don't think, came back after that. And is the fishing as good up here as it was down in Tampa Bay? No, definitely not, man. There's a few places around here that I, that I go that are pretty good, but Florida is just, it's a legendary place as far as catch, catching fish. I mean, freshwater and saltwater, um, it was it was, it was was great. That was one of the, one of the reasons I was, I was mad the team folded, because I was having a great time fishing all the time. Um, so, no, def- definitely Florida. And I have to say, I was in Tampa about a year after the team folded, and you couldn't find any memorabilia whatsoever from the Tampa Bay Mutiny, so I think the city really did forget about soccer after the team folded. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really haven't. I mean, I've been back there, but um, it's hard. It was it was difficult. I, I think it's, it's a good soccer town, too. I mean, people, people know the game, and... Uh, just I think there's so much going on in in Tampa with other sporting things, with the beaches and and things like that, and a lot of people are transplanted from other places and and things like that. But it was it was hard. I thought we had you know we had some good teams, and, and we still really didn't draw that well. Maybe the big stadium, things like that. We could have gotten a soccer specific stadium and an owner. That was the big thing. We couldn't get a, an owner to invest in the team, so the league kind of wanted to cut their their losses because we were a league operated team. So um, we had to go. And was it a little upsetting to see a guy like Glazer who had the opportunity to buy the team and save them go out and spend billions of dollars to buy Manchester United when he wouldn't even save soccer in his own backyard? Yeah, it is. That was, that was a little bit hard to swallow. I saw that, that happen the other day. Um, he, yeah, I mean, because especially for him, he owned, he had the stadium. He could have made, you know, I mean, he, all he had to do was invest in the team. He could have made all the money from the parking, the concessions, all this stuff. But, um I think he made, maybe thought it was too big of a gamble if the league was still a little bit early in its you know, inception and didn't know where the league was going. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a good businessman and can't really 
question is is business ethics so and as a as a player now i know it's far off and you don't want to think about it but um after your career is over do you want to stay involved in soccer um you know what i do i mean at, at some level i don't know where i don't know if i want to be coaching at, at an mls team i think that getting staying doing something like that or or the college level i i think if i had an opportunity or had a choice i would like to coach college i just think that um, to help those kids, and, and you know, I think that they're more they're more willing to to want to learn, and they're at an age where they're developing still. Um, and um, that's just something I'd like to do. I, I had some good good coaches in college, and I you know I'd come and do the same thing that they did for me. And at this point in your career, is do you still ever think about a possible move to Europe, maybe at some point in the future, or do you think at this point you'd rather stay in MLS? Um, you never say never. I mean, if if the right opportunity was there. Than maybe, but I mean, I like where I'm at. Um, I, I like, I love playing here in Boston, and um, you know, like you said, I am 30 years old now, so I, I think it's a lot easier for the younger guys to go over there because um, they have more obviously more upside as far as the years they have to play. But um, you know, if the right opportunity is there, then, then I definitely would look at it, look at it. Has there been a problem playing on the sur- the surface of the the field? It appears to be very dry, mm-hmm. and Coach Nickel did make a comment about that impacting uh, the lack of goal scoring yesterday. Did you do you feel that that did have an impact on the on the results of the game? Yeah, this, our field really isn't in the best condition right now. Um, I mean, due to circumstances of, of the environment here, we had a, we had a harsh winter. Um, the field was covered, and uh, it's going to take time. It, it usually, does, it's I mean. It's not great, and it does affect the play, but it, it, it's for both teams. So you really can't make excuses about it. Um, you got to go out there and, and just concentrate, concentrate a little bit more on, on being precise with your passes and, and things like that. But it is a little bumpy. It, it's dry, bumpy, and, and there's a lot of patches out there. There's some a lot of sand right now. So it'll, it'll get better. It's getting better, and hopefully, you know, we have we have a bye week. The field will continue to get better, and then in a couple of weeks, it'll be back to where where it usually is. And, and is it exciting um, for for the team to be getting more media coverage now, along with the wins like Dempsey being in Sports Illustrated and more coverage on even the local TV stations? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, everybody loves a winner, and then uh, to get off to a great start like this, and the weather's starting to get nice, and people are going to want to come out to the games, and hopefully we can continue to put a good product in the field and keep getting good results. But yeah, it's it's been nice. You know, I've seen it on on the news. I've seen. You know how people are really get into it. We had DM Branch at the game there yesterday. Um, I had an appearance at the mall today, and, and everybody was talking about it. Um, so it's 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 nice. It's good. I mean, obviously, if we we're zero and six, I don't know if we'd have this much attention. But like I said, everybody everybody likes a winner, and and, we, and we're doing well. So it's great if we can keep them coming out and keep winning games. It'll be great. Do you think this team is the team that can finally get it to MLS Cup and win it? Yeah, I, I really do. I think this is the best. Revolution team that I've been a part of, and we've had some pretty good teams. But I think uh, talent and, and depth of the team. I think this is this is definitely the best team that I've been a part of, and we've been close. I mean, injury time. We went in overtime in the finals. We've been in the semifinals in overtime the last couple of years. So we've been close. We've been you know knocking on the door, and I hope that that this year could be the year that we actually do it. Our, ne- our next home game is against the Colorado Rapids, and the ex Revolution coach. Fernando Clavijo, who's, who's come back this year to coach in the MLS. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did have a great win 
great for them in the sense that they are now not the worst team in the Western Division. They have seven points. They are above Chivas, and they beat Chivas yesterday, uh, two to one. Any comments on that team, the the next home game? Um, Colorado's a good team. They they're a team that that works very hard. They got a lot of guys who who can run all day. Um, I think you know Fernando's going to have them organized, uh, and they're dangerous. They have a few guys up top. Jeff Cunningham, who's kind of been coming off the bench in there, uh, but he's scoring goals. And I think uh, Pagero, their other forward, is finally getting healthy, and they're dangerous. Those guys have a lot of speed, and they're skillful. They can put the ball in the net. And, uh, you know, Pablo Mastroni, who's an interesting player who's always in the field, just roaming and, and winning tackles and things like that, he'll be back from a, from a suspension. So they're a good team. And um, we got to be, be prepared to play those guys. But um, right now we're just kind of concentrating on, on the Metro Stars. And then the game like that, um, you, you said you saw the reserves game. Do you think the team with, uh, po- with probably a few call-ups for that game to the national team has the depth to, to handle a game like that? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, we have a, we have a deep team. These guys now are getting games under their belt and uh, training every day uh, with the full team, things like that. So, yeah, without a doubt, you have a guy like Tepic and Sela who can easily step in, and, and you know you're not going to lose a beat. So we feel, I mean, not just Tepic, a lot of these guys are doing well. Jamie Holmes scoring goals, Luke Vercoloni scoring goals. Um, we're doing, they're doing very well. So um, we feel confident with the team that we have, definitely. And you've, the Revs have had some great success with rookies in recent years, uh, with Dempsey winning Rookie of the Year and Noonan finishing second for Rookie of the Year the year before. Do you, do you think uh, Parkhurst is going to continue that tradition with the way he's been playing? I hope so. I think, it, you know, if the voting were now, I mean, I think he would he would definitely win in the landslide. I mean, playing as, as, as a center back and, and with the three-back formation, and we've given up just a, just a, just a couple goals throughout the season. So um, I hope he continues to play as well as he has. Uh, he's been he's been tremendous for us. Well, thanks a lot for uh, joining us today, Steve. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, good luck next week against the Metro Stars. Thank you. That was uh, Steve Ralston, New England Revolution midfielder and uh, U.S. National Team midfielder. And uh, the the U.S. have a big game coming up against England on May 28th. And if if Steve keeps playing well, I, I would expect him to be called up for that and pro- probably start in the right side of the midfield for the U.S. Exactly. So it should be interesting to see how many of the uh, Revolution players do get get a call-up. I expect Taylor Twelman, based on yesterday, will definitely get called to the national team. Pat Noonan, Clint Dempsey, Steve Ralston. The list kind of goes on and on this year. And it, the way Matt Reese is playing with the lead, leading the league in every goalkeeping stat, he could even be him. And we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with uh, some more Revolution recap. Some time ago, 138 Auto Mall changed the way people bought cars. They kept the fun and excitement in it. We did something no other car dealers were doing. We created a hassle-free buying experience. Listen to this. Our sales staff does not even get a commission. We have no sneaky pitches or bait-and-switch tactics. What we do is give you an amazing choice. Then we let you browse on the lot and test drive on your own. We figure when you want help, you'll ask for it. Novel idea, eh? All of our vehicles are fairly priced, and all of the 138 Auto Mall's customers walk away saying they enjoyed the car buying experience. If you can find another dealer that can do it better, 
buy from them. And we take care of you after the sale with a full service department open six days a week. So come on in, browse, or take a look online at 138automall.com. That's 138automall.com. Find out what it's like to actually enjoy buying a car. From pickups to minivans to SUVs, domestic or imported, from Hyundai to Porsche. We will fit your budget and we will get you financed on the spot. Come experience a great experience. 138 Auto Mall, Route 138 in Rainham, where the only pressure is in the tires. So there you sit, trying to plan your financial future. But there's so much to know, and so many choices. How can you be confident you're making the right decisions? Maybe you won't need the guidance of a financial professional to reach your goals, but most of us will. Your modern Woodman representative can analyze your needs to help you make informed decisions about financial products and services. Plus, you'll gain access to fraternal member benefits that can enrich your family and community. Call your modern Woodman representative today. Touching lives, securing futures. Securities offered through MWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, 1701 First Avenue, Rock Island, Illinois, 61201, phone 309-558-3100, member NASD SIPC. You've got a ticket to ride with Millennium Sportsbook at BetMillNow.com. Right now, sign up at Millennium Sportsbook and get a 25% sign-up bonus. Beat the line moves with access to the overnight lines at Millennium Sportsbook. You'll enjoy their easy-to-navigate website, multiple payment options, outstanding customer service. And don't forget, BetMillNow.com's teaser odds are the highest payouts anywhere. Go to BetMillNow.com or call toll-free 1-800-824-1637. And now, back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining me still is uh, Patty Vine. And could, Patty, could you tell us a little about Providence Sports? Yes, uh, Providence Sports is an Hispanic um, sports magazine that's been published by the uh, Irvin Torres who uh, has an interest, actually, probably the only uh, person from the Dominican Republic who actually played soccer in the Dominican Republic at one point. But he is uh, the editor, and he has been publishing Providence Sports, obviously in Spanish, since uh, 1997, continuously. And in Rhode Island, there are a lot of Hispanic publications that come and go, but Irvin Torres, the editor of Providence Sports, has consistently published uh, the magazine since uh, 1997. And I've been fortunate enough to participate writing about soccer ever since the beginning of the magazine. And uh, obviously we had, uh, you can see we had Clint Dempsey on the cover for the April issue at the start of the season. And... Prior to that, in March, we had Joffrey Vargas, who is, uh, runs the Providence Soccer League. So the magazine, I have to say, covers every sport, um, a lot of, uh, about local sports, but um, a lot of baseball, a lot of the Paw Sox, and um, basketball, and just about any activity. Irvin Torres is planning a very large activity um, 
uh, for Providence in the Rhode Island area involving soccer and all sports. Uh, he gets help from that from the Dominican Republic. So that's uh, the magazine. I've also done radio uh, starting actually at 1320 in Attleboro in Spanish when we tried to bring, or we did bring, uh, games, soccer games from Colombia, South America. And that's actually where I saw my first professional soccer game was in Bogota, Colombia, um, Millonarios, um, in the 80s. So my real interest in soccer came with the World Cup. That was after 94 and with the start of the league that I decided that I wanted to do nothing more really than promote soccer and see it become a success in the, in the United States. And, and how did you first become involved with radio? That was by helping out at WARA 1320. And Joconda Salazar, who is originally from Ecuador, had a show on Saturdays and Sundays and there is a very large Colombian community in Rhode Island, most especially in Central Falls, where she also has other businesses. And they, the demand was such, uh, at that time in 1996, there was no Gold TV, there was no Fox Sports in Espanol, there was no soccer channel, um, and people were, uh, Colombians uh, were desperate to, to hear a, a game in Spanish, live. So she dedicated herself to uh, using using what was available at the time, phone cards, to, to contact the radio stations in Colombia and put the games on the air. And while she and another person were in the back room trying to do all these technical, uh, having technical difficulties, sometimes the phone card would even expire in the middle of the game, which would cause great panic. They, they they would put a microphone, and since I'm bilingual, I speak Spanish, I would I would talk about soccer or whatever other topic happened to be um, relevant at the time, and have continued with radio on the Hispanic stations, uh, 12:20 a.m., 9:90 a.m. as well, usually talking. M- Talking mainly about soccer, but in, at certain times, other topics of interest to the Latino community. And, and how did you get involved with print and uh, Providence sports? Through my involvement, actually, with the Providence Soccer League, I met Irvin Torres, and um, he asked me if I would write. And I believe that I am probably the only woman in the United States who is not Hispanic who does the type of radio in Spanish and print writing about soccer, specifically MLS, that I do. So it's a, it's, it's a unique niche that I have in, in the United States. And you were talking a little bit about the 4-on-4 Footballito tournament that's sponsored by MLS that's been very popular throughout the country but hasn't been in New England and uh, your, the efforts to bring it into right. Providence. Sean... Providence Sports, through Irvin Torres and uh, the president of the Hispanic Federation of Soccer in um, Rhode Island, uh, Abelardo Hernandez and I have started communicating with the people uh, via email in charge of Futbolito. Uh, it, of course, involves Carlos Valderrama. He's, he's, a main, he's one of the main draws, 
And as you can see, the tournament goes to Houston, San Antonio, San Jose, Dallas. The closest it gets to New England is New York. And they are, uh, the managers, uh, the people in charge of Futbolito, are, are thinking of moving into New England. Uh, my point being there's, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of uh, a huge Hispanic population, a huge Colombian population that would come out in support of it. And there, there are very large prizes for the winning teams in Futbolito, which I think would attract a lot of adult and youth teams into the tournament. Um, we're at the beginning stages, but I think it's very important for Pro- a city like Providence to get an event like Futbolito, although I tend to think they would move it to Boston first. That's kind of my thought. But that's why we are forming a committee to meet starting in June to try and do whatever is necessary to get Futbolito into Providence. Well, it would be a start just to get it into New England first. Exactly. We would we would be happy about that. But uh, if it goes to Boston, we the my thought is we may never get it into Providence. That That can happen, too. And we got about five minutes left here, so we'll talk a little about the upcoming Revs games and the other games throughout the league. The, as we said earlier, the Revs are going to be taking on the Metro Stars, which is, again, the ESPN2 game of the week that should be seen on ESPN2, and that's in New York. And the Metro Stars are coming off the 3-0 win over Chicago, that, where they looked quite convincing in that game. And uh, before that, they had not gotten off to the greatest start. But that should be a tough ch- test to the Revs, as we were saying earlier. Exactly. Uh, we do have a couple of really interesting games Wednesday night at 8.30, uh, Dallas, the team which is number one in the Western Conference, I think uh, largely due to the goal scoring of Carlos Ruiz and Eddie Johnson, um, they have 12 points, three wins, a one loss and three ties, playing the Rapids, who are uh, the team which is uh, coming off of a win over Chivas. Then, uh, as well on Wednesday night at 9.30, Chivas versus Real Salt Lake. Always interesting to see the new two new franchises face off against each other. And basically, neither is having a super start. Um, most disappointing to me, based on all my work with the Hispanic community, I was more than excited to see Chivas come in, is the disappointing start that they've had. They're at the bottom uh, of the league, basically. Well. Well, I was actually a little surprised about Real Salt Lake as well. It, uh, looking at their roster, they seem to be one of the teams that I thought could challenge even for uh, first in the West coming into the season, where you've seen in the past, where, where with like teams like the NBA, the, the expansion franchise is always bad, but where, the, where uh, MLS, you saw Chicago come in and win the title their first season. And, um, with, the, with the roster that Real Salt Lake was building with guys like Rusty Paris from the Revs and um, Eddie Pope in their defense and the league's all-time leading scorer, Jason Christ, and then Clint Mathis coming back from Germany. They put together a squad that I thought could even challenge for first in the West. Exactly, and they did eke out a win yesterday, 2-1, to one, over the Galaxy. So that portends well for Real Salt Lake. Yeah, that, that certainly works in their favor. They they fell down early in that game, and then uh, Eddie Pope scored the tying goal in the 49th minute, and then Jason Christ, the league's all-time leading scorer, had, had his uh, fourth goal of the season in the 65th minute. And we have to talk about attendance because Real Salt Lake is leading 19,000 fans yesterday. No other team is drawing uh, that high. Uh, The Revs got almost 14,000, which made a big difference, if you ask me. It looked great to see the the seats filled yesterday. 
Yeah, the, the game before that they said it had about 8,000, but it certainly looked like a, a lot 200 less. 200 people. Yeah, it looked about 200, and uh, it was certainly a big improvement over that. So I'm concerned on, I think, an overall decline in the Revs' attendance thus far this season. Yesterday was uh, turned out to be a beautiful day. We had close to 14,000 fans. It was D.C., the champion. Freddie Adu, I think, is still, like as in last year, I think that was one of our, uh, he was one of the reasons we had a, a huge attendance at the game uh, where Revs played D.C. at Gillette Stadium last year. I, I tend to think that was part of the, the reason we had the spike up in attendance, but I, I'm, I'm going to be watching closely how the attendance uh, goes for the Revs this year. We used to draw 14,000, 15,000 every game. And that, that was when they were doing poor soccer really? and, and, and losing. And, but another thing about that game is there, there was the forecast of off and on showers, which may have stopped a few people from going. And if they, if they keep up winning, I, I would have to think that the attendance has to go up. Exactly. And the Revs are uh, winning. So that, that should spike the attendance as well. But Real Salt Lake doesn't have a problem, uh, of course, the first year, but they're drawing extremely large crowds. And, so and when you look at the attendance figures, uh, the team that has the highest right now is Chicago, but you kind of have to count that one out because of the, the big international doubleheader they had is what spiked up that number. Exactly. Yesterday, only uh, 8,341. So that, that, that surprised me that versus the Metro Stars, the attendance was, I think, poor for Chicago at Soldier Field. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. I'd like to thank Patty Vine for joining me again today. and uh, Thank you, Sean. This was a pleasure. I always love to talk about soccer and MLS, and thank you for the invitation. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, archives are going to be available at revolutionrecap.com, and you can get the latest revenues at anyrevs.com. And we'll be back next week uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. on Sunday right here on AM 1320. And you should feel Check out Providence Sports. It's a great magazine, especially. We have a website too. www.providencesports.com, and there's a lot of links to all the other uh, soccer sites as well, and sports uh, websites in general. So join us again next week.